0: You're listening to hashtag nofilter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you, yeah. they picked us because we're horny. Yeah, right. And right. that's your chronic state. That's what you <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on the real housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered combos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in everybody, I hope you are having a wonderful Wednesday hump day, hey, um, my eye is like slowly getting better and better and better, little by little you can see some of the swelling going down, my whole entire eye isn't swollen anymore so I don't have to like constantly live in sunglasses, but like it is still like a little, a little swollen, progressively better. We found out what it is. It's like a, a clogged gland in my eye, which like happens. Um, it tends to happen a little more with age. So it's kind of like a sty, but not really a sty. Um, and yeah. It's not a cute vibe, and it's not a sexy vibe, so it's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me go on dates, and let me do uh, a—who am I kidding? I don't go on dates in general. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I hope you guys are having a great, great Wednesday. We have so much good Bravo content. We have Vanderpump Rules tonight, but we also had Summer House, and we had Jersey, and we had Potomac. I already chatted about Potomac on uh, Monday's episode of the podcast, so today will be a recap of the latest episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey and the latest episode of Summer House, and also just letting you guys know or reminding you that as of next Wednesday, I will be doing live recaps of Joyzy. So you'll get a live Real Housewives of New Jersey recap every Monday morning, or Monday morning if you're on the East Coast, Monday at lunchtime if you're on or. Sorry, Monday morning if you're on the West Coast, Monday at lunchtime if you're on the East Coast on the YouTube. I'm going to be joined by the Brav Bros, and we're going to be recapping Royal Housewives of New Jersey. And like I said, we have a big announcement next week, or I have a big announcement next week that I can't wait to share with you. So get ready, Freddy. All right, let's talk about, should we start with Summer House or should we start with New Jersey? Why don't we start with New Jersey? Because I feel like Jersey's got a lot more um, drama going on in the news right now. In the presses after the leaked text messages came out from Melissa and Teresa and then Louie and then Melissa and Joe and Louie. And it's just, it's been a whole thing, right? So I actually had a juicy story that I revealed on Jacques from the Unpopular podcast. He has a Patreon. And I had a really juicy Jersey Louis story that I shared on his Patreon. I don't make any money off of that, but if you guys are interested in supporting him, he's my friend. You can go uh, support Jacques Peterson. From the unpopular podcast. Okay. Let's start with Jersey. So we are just at the start of the new season. We have the two new girls and I kinda like the two new girls. Like they're fun. We have uh Rachel and the other Jennifer. Fessler. Is that her last name? Jennifer Fessler. They I like them. Jen is a little Jennifer's a little, um, she's very Jersey licious. I don't know if anybody used to watch Jersey Licious on um. What was the network it was? I feel like they kept changing networks until they finally, like, were done altogether. Um, but there was a show about a salon, and it was the Gatsby, the Gatsby salon, and... They were super jersey like Jersey Shore, but like extra glam and extra cheetah. And like, why is that such a thing in Jersey? Like, why do you, if anybody's from Jersey, please explain to me the obsession with like the bright red lipstick and the big hair and the, and the bubbies and the, the cheetah print and the zebra print and the, the leopard print and all the prints, so many prints. Why not the elephant prints? Those are kind of cute too, right? Well, that's what Jennifer, the new Jennifer, reminds me of. So we have new gen and then we have OG gen. New gen is very much, you know, she's got the hair, she's got the glam, she's got the vibe. Um, her husband's a cutie. I'm actually I think he's kind of cute or he looked kind of cute. And then when they did the photo shoot, what was it, last week or the week before? And then he like took his shirt off and I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Um, he doesn't give off like super Guido vibes, but like he, he's a cutie patootie, right? He's got a cute face and the face is, is, you know, we're looking at that most of the time. So the face is like an important piece. Rachel, I also really like. Um, She's also kind of Jerseylicious. She's a lot younger and she kind of has that like younger youthful vibe that I feel like is maybe going to struggle to connect a bit with the group. But we'll see. Um, And then the crux of the episode is really the family drama between Teresa and Melissa and Joe. It's hard to say Teresa and Louie versus Melissa and Joe because I feel like Louie's still so new to the dynamic that like we don't really know I don't want to say we don't know he's going to, if he's going to stick around. I think Teresa's actually going to keep him around. I actually predict that their marriage will last quite a while, um, but I'm hoping it doesn't end dramatically. But so the episode starts off. We have Teresa and Melissa... And it's picking up from where last week was, and they're kind of going back and forth about the seating chart at the bridal shower and how Melissa and Joe weren't seated with the family. They were seated at the friend table, and Melissa was really upset about that or hurt by that, and Teresa's like, no, that's not true. You guys wanted to not sit with us, which I don't know if I believe that. I don't believe that Melissa and Joe were like, no, we don't want to sit at our sister's table for her bridal shower. I don't believe that at all, not for a second, right? But then Teresa finally buckles and she's like, you know what, I want you in my wedding. Please, will you be in my wedding? And Liz is like, fuck off. She's like, no, I'm not gonna be in your wedding. You didn't want me in your wedding. And She had a great parallel example of like, it's like the ex-boyfriend was like, I screwed up, but I want you back. It's like, no, you had a chance, you screwed it up. You can't just come back that easy. And I actually think that that was a minor example compared to like, you know, Teresa not inviting her to the wedding. It's like you, I don't know, it was a big decision. And I understand Teresa's, she doesn't like Melissa. She didn't want her in a wedding. I get that. But I'm also like, it's a little delusional to think you can just throw out a courtesy invite now. And so when Melissa's like, Oh my god, this feels like you're doing me a favor, you don't need to do me a favor at your own wedding. I think I'm siding with Melissa on that one. Um and then we have the weird Teresa family episode or scene with Louie and we have Gia and then then it's it's Gab- Gabriella, right? She's the one that enters later on and we like never hear from Gabriella. Like Gabriella never says anything ever. She's like had no Voice, no say, no personality, nothing. Melania and Gia definitely always took over. This scene for me also just kind of felt a little weird and calculated. Like, I really want to give Louis and Teresa the benefit of the doubt, right? This is the wedding. This is important. Like, I also feel like because it's Teresa's wedding that I— that. Melissa and Joe maybe should buckle a little bit more because it's like this is a big day for her. This is important. This is a special occasion for Teresa that I think, you know, this is when families make a little bit more of a sacrifice to support you. But I also get where Joe's coming from, where he's like, we've tried so hard and it always ends up in the same place. We always end up going back in this big old circle jerk. But the whole scene to me felt a little disingenuous. Like it felt like, "Okay, we're going to have a scene so that we talk about how much we don't like Melissa and how much we think Melissa and Joe are being dishonest. And that's how the scene read to me. Also because they made it seem like um – um Gabriella just happened to waltz in fresh out of practice. And I'm like, that's not typically how it happens. You need to have the camera set up. You need to have lighting set up. Um, so when there's a scene and somebody gets added into a scene, it's a lot harder to have somebody organically added into a scene without them addressing lighting. And Gabriella had a mic pack on. So at some point, Gabriella knew that she was going to be coming on camera. And I'm sure she didn't think that she was just going to be coming on camera for like a cute moment with her mom and Louie. Like, I just feel like it was a little, there was a little bit of some premeditation going. You could tell that the emotion was real because you could see the hives coming out unless they were like nervous hives like you know she was a little uncomfortable on camera and uncomfortable talking on camera and maybe that's where the hives are coming from and not necessarily from like that anger from their families but I also understand that I think it's a little unfair of Melissa and Joe to take credit for being there for them when I don't know if that's the full truth. Like maybe they extended an olive branch at that time when Teresa was at camp, but I don't think that Melissa and Joe were the only ones that, that uh, Joe, Judice and the girls had. And I do think it's a little unfair for them to be like, they needed us to film their spinoff show without us. They wouldn't have gotten their spinoff show because they didn't have anybody else to film with. I don't believe that that's true. I also do believe that Joe and Melissa got paid to do the spinoff show. So I didn't, Think that that was entirely fair, Um, but I do feel like this whole scene was set up for Teresa to make her brother look bad and to get the the her daughters to come in and also say something negatively about. Joe, which is interesting because I want to know how much more of Gabriella we're going to get throughout the season because Gia did tease at the beginning when the trailer first came out that Gabriella's is finally speaking up and Gabriella is finally starting to say something. And if Gabriella is saying it, then that's how you know it's bad. So it feels like we're trying very hard to try and make Joe and Melissa look bad. Um, I de- that's definitely how it read. So to me, it was just a little mm, not my favorite vibe. We also have this like weird energy around Jennifer Aiden, OG Jen. Definitely starting to see some tension with her and Bill. Um and I think I kind of agree when we have this the lunch scene with Melissa and Margaret and Jackie where they kind of talk about Jennifer and they're like we see a different energy in her. We see a bit of a of a sadness in her. And I think I agree with that. There is a different energy coming from Jennifer this season. I feel like just even like her outfits, like a lot of a lot of it is just it's a little more understated compared to what I'm kind of used to with Jen. Like Jen is so big and, you know, she's got a big bark. But I just feel like here, like her running around fighting for Dolores's attention, like be my friend, be my friend, be my friend. Like to me, that's not very Jennifer. Like to me, Jennifer is feisty and Jennifer doesn't care. and Jennifer will get scrappy that for her to be begging for Dolores's friendship was weird and so I think I think that the ladies are kind of on to something with that and I think that Jennifer may be going through something I don't know if I would say she's not self-reflective um I just think it takes her a really long time to start to reflect on herself like she really needs to be called out and grilled and hammered before she kind of takes the hint but I feel like we're all kind of like that like you have to learn the lesson nine times before we finally get it right then we we get into we get back to the wedding, and we find out that Melissa's family isn't invited to Teresa's wedding. I'm very curious how you guys feel about this because to me, I was like, I that's weird to invite them. Like, why would you invite your sister in law's family to your wedding? And Joe Gorga is kind of like, well, Joe Judice's family was invited to my wedding. I'm like, but you also knew Joe Judice for a really long time. You've known each other since you were kids. So there's decades of family history amongst the two families. And it seemed like the two families were close and the kids all grew up together. And Teresa and Joe grew up with Joe Judice and his family. Like, they were all kids. So I feel like there's a bit more history that I didn't think it was that offensive to not invite Melissa's family. Like, the wedding shouldn't be about Melissa and her family. The wedding should be about Teresa and what Teresa wants because this is Teresa's special day. So it's like, I get it, Joe. You're allowed to feel maybe a little bothered by that. I think Melissa should probably feel a little more bothered by that than Joe. Um, I get that there is some history, but it's Teresa's wedding at the end of the day that I'm kind of like, listen, if she doesn't want somebody at her wedding, she doesn't have to have somebody at her wedding if she doesn't feel like it's it's productive. But I think it's very clear, and this is where some of the tree huggers need to realize, things like this make it very clear that Teresa does not like Melissa, period. She doesn't like her, so we can't keep thinking that Teresa is so innocent in all of this because she, I'm cool with her not wanting Melissa's family there, but then call a spade a spade and be like, okay, that was, you know, a deliberate dig at Melissa's family. Maybe that's a little unfair, but it's also your wedding. So you're entitled to invite or not invite whoever you want or don't want at your wedding. I get that. But again, call a spade a spade. You don't like Melissa. So of course you're not going to invite her family to your wedding. Why are we lying about it? Why are we pussyfooting around it? Like at this point, just let, you know, throw the cat right out of the bag, pull the pussy right out of the bag and throw the cat on the table and be like, here's the situation. Yeah, I don't really like you. Let's just have like a superficial relationship and stop with this family business because it's just, it's ridiculous at this point. And then we finally have the boys night where, you know, Joe Gorga says that he doesn't want to hurt anymore. Um, but yet, This was a little confusing for me because it's like I understand Joe's perspective and I understand Joe's feelings, but for me, I kind of feel like with Joe Gorga... You don't want to make nice with your sister because you're afraid she's going to hurt you again. And so you claim to have this wallop and you claim to have this distance and to kind of just accept her for who she is. But then you cause all of this drama around her wedding. And it's like you can't say I don't want to get hurt anymore and then continue to allow yourself to get hurt. Because at some point it's a choice. Like I understand if somebody's fucked up and they, you know, they hurt you and they, you know, maybe you give them a second chance and they hurt you again. You give them a third chance. They hurt you again. You know, with family. My family's always kind of just been, you know, the type to not really cut people out. Um, You know, we always find a way to make nice. I know other families and other family dynamics are very different. But in this sense, Joe's saying, I'm done trying to hurt. I'm done hurting and I'm done trying to make nice with Teresa. I don't want to have a conversation with Teresa. But yet here he is hashing up the fact that he doesn't like that Teresa didn't invite Melissa's family to the wedding it's like you can't be hurt by that and then expect something different or expect them to hear you if you already know where the relationship stands like at this point Joe and Melissa need to navigate their expectations I feel like Melissa maybe has kind of navigated her expectations a bit Because, you know, even when it comes to, like, not being a bridesmaid or where they're sitting at, you know, the bridal party, Melissa doesn't seem like she needs to sit with Teresa at the bridal party. And Melissa doesn't seem like she wants to be sitting or she wants to be a bridesmaid in the wedding. Like, Melissa seems to have made peace with that. And she's not asking to be in. That's why she's like, I'm not going to take your bullshit courtesy invite to be a bridesmaid in your wedding. Like, that's stupid. I'm not I'm not that much of a ding dong. And so. I think Joe, so she's navigated those expectations. She's still allowed to speak about that, right? If she wants to go on her podcast and be like, yeah, Teresa didn't see this with her. And I thought that that was a shitty thing to do. She's a public person. They're on a reality show. She has a podcast. She talks about her life on the podcast. So I don't have a problem with her dishing it out on the podcast. She doesn't seem to be taking it personal. Joe Gorga seems to still be taking a lot of these things personally and making a big deal about them rather than just accepting it for what it is. If your sister's an asshole, then let your sister be an asshole and accept her for the fact that she's an asshole. Maybe she's a hairy asshole. Maybe she's a sweaty, hairy asshole. And at some point you have to be like, okay, cool. I want to shave her, but I can't because she likes to be hairy, you know, and you just got to accept it for what it is. A hairy, sweaty, small, four-headed asshole. And I say that with love. Um, But it's her wedding day. Let it be. Like, I think the fact that this is even drama, the fact that the drama has already started we haven't even gotten into the Melissa cheating rumor um, that we know is going to come up that ultimately ends up being the real crux of the current issue, I think that's foreshadowing that I don't know if it can be repaired at this point. Now, I know a lot of people have a lot of feelings about Louis, but when it comes to Louis, I kind of feel like with him it does seem like he is trying and I kind of like went back and forth a little bit with Jacques um, when I was on his Patreon because he was kind of like, Lou, is a total con-, con artist and how can you believe anything that he's saying and he's a total Brooks from OC, Vicky's a fake cancer guy, he's a total Brooks from OC and he's a total Dirty John. I I know a lot of people feel that way Um, But it seems like he's, from what we're getting on camera, at least, and all I can judge it off of is what we see on the show. And from what we see on the show, it does feel like he's trying to have some mending for the family. It does feel like he's trying to make it nice on the show. Now, again, I had a very different experience that I revealed on the Patreon that you guys can check out on Jacques' Patreon. I don't have a personal Patreon. Uh, maybe I'll talk about it on a upcoming YouTube members only. But it feels like Louis wants to have some sort of resolution and mending. Um For his sister and for Joe and for the fact that, like, even Teresa's daughters, they seem— well, actually, they don't seem to want anything to do with Joe and Melissa. I think they've made that very clear that they have no interest. And to be honest with you, I don't think Teresa hates that. I don't think Teresa hates the fact that her girls don't like their uncle and his wife. I personally feel like Teresa, since she's so big on loyalty— She likes that her daughters are so loyal to her that they're willing to cut out their uncle and his wife, especially his wife. So I don't think Teresa really cares to have. Because like, what I think Teresa should do is be like, listen, girls, that's your uncle. That's your family, that's your blood, we should love him regardless. We know he's not perfect, the same thing. Navigate their expectations. And Teresa should be teaching these girls by example of being like, "Listen, at least for the kids' sake, right? Maybe should they don't need to be like, you know, all in love with Joe and Melissa, but at least for the for Antonia and little Joey, like for their cousins, I and Gino, like the cousins shouldn't have an issue if it's from the parents. I didn't I've never liked that when when kids end up getting involved in the drama of their parents and it affects a different generation because that's not fair to the kids. The kids aren't part of any of these decisions that the adults are making and have been making for many years. So to me, it's disheartening to see the cousins not coming together and the cousins not, you know, having some sort of family dynamic because the parents can't seem to get their shit together. And all you're doing is continuing to drive the families apart because even if Joe and Teresa can't work their shit out, if Gia and Antonia can find a way to still be family and to still keep some of the family traditions alive, then I think the family dynamic can continue. Because right now they're making it look like, oh, the only family is Joe and Melissa, or is Joe and Teresa, and that's not true, it's all of the kids, it's Gabriella. it's uh, um, Adriana, it's uh, Gia, it's Melania, it's Antonia, so many us, it's Gino, it's little Joey, so I feel like that is all the family, that's all encompassing of the family, these kids are still family, they're family, and let me tell you something about my family. We're thick as thieves, except when we need to write a letter, you know, not supporting our sister, Caroline Manzo. All right. Those are my thoughts about Jersey. Um, I don't see how Teresa and Joe find a way forward, and I think that this reunion is going to be one of the most brutal reunions moving forward. I have no idea what productions even going to do for next season. If they had to keep them so separate at BravoCon— it's going to be a very interesting path forward for them. Okay, let's talk about Summer House. Summer House. Okay, the first episode of Summer House was kind of boring in the new season. It was, it just kind of it dragged a bit, whatever. Um... We're all back again. We have so many people in the mix and people come and they go and they're here for a weekend. They're not here for a weekend. And it's just it's summer house is always a lot. Um, But I like that we still have a lot of our anchors. We still have like the Kyle and Amanda. I feel like Paige and Sierra have become an anchor, even though Sierra's a lot newer. Um, We have Carl and Lindsay. We have the newbies. We have Gabby. We have hot Chris. Um, Oliver was kind of there. And then we have Chris's hot friend who is also kind of there. I like Gabby. I feel like Gabby's kind of given us a little, well, actually let's talk about Gabby. Cause I feel like she started off strong, right? But then we have this, this week's episode where they're on the beach. Cause they're all having their day out on the beach, living life where Carl's peeing in the ocean and Maya's fighting with Lindsay. And then all of a sudden Gabby has this crush on Chris's hot friend. And the second she finds out he's a cancer, She's just like, oh, I'm not interested. Cancer men are the worst. And he's like, what? What do you mean? You literally just met me and you're judging my character based off of your experience with a couple of guys that happened to have a birthday around my birthday. And he was kind of like, how do you know I'm a bad guy? She's like, I just know all cancer men are awful. And I'm like, okay, Gabby, we're like really self-sabotaging ourselves. Because like, even if he is a terrible human being, he could at least be some good dick. And who doesn't want some good dick? You know what I mean? Like, let him, you know, gobble you like a Thanksgiving stuffing. But she was not having it. And I liked her at the start because I feel like she had some personality. She didn't, you know, whereas Maya, I like Maya. But I also feel like Maya's just kind of like a little soft. It took her a little while to kind of warm up to the group. And then she was like, oh, nobody accepted me. And you guys judged me. And nobody wanted to accept me. And it made me feel like an outsider. And I get that, too. But I also think it takes like two to tango. And you have to know if you're going to be coming into a group of friends that are already established. It's not going to be easy to just kind of penetrate that group. So, you know, Maya came in a a little flimsy. And she's building her backbone and good for her. But I feel like Gabby definitely came in. Um, Sierra and, and and Paige, I feel like, and Hannah, when they all came in, they all came in pretty strong, too. Maybe Paige was a little weak, too, but she eventually found her footing. Um, Gabby, I feel like, had no struggle kind of fitting in with the group. She came in strong. She stood strong. She stands by, you know, her words and her opinions and good for her. Um But I definitely think she fucked it up with Chris's hot friend because he was hot and she had no reason to not give him a chance. You can't judge people based off of, you know, their horoscopes. Like, what are you judging somebody based off of what it says in Cosmopolitan magazine? Like, come on. Maybe you've had a couple of bad experiences with like what a couple of dudes that happen to be cancers. That doesn't mean that every cancer man is going to be every cancer man is going to have an issue is going to be terrible is going to cheat on you or whatever. Sometimes men are trash and sometimes men aren't trash. And there's, you know, opportunity. So I just think she shot herself in the foot with that one. But whatever. Um, Chris is hot, but he's not really giving us much. And then a lot of it surrounds Carl and his issues with Kyle and then the house's issues with Lindsay. And everyone kind of feels like Lindsay's changing car like it's very clear that nobody likes Lindsay and I think that it might be a little bit of an ego thing because I also feel like Lindsay's a bit of the star of the show like Kyle Carl and Lindsay are the stars of the show right Amanda's never gonna be a Lindsay Paige you know she's got a strong presence on the show Sierra's got a strong presence on the show but I also think Sierra is just a little too new to have that hold of like like Lindsay's the OG And she's the HBIC. And Lindsay doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks about her. And she's very much herself, right? She doesn't need a page. Uh, Yeah, she doesn't need a Sierra or a page to kind of bounce off of. She doesn't need a Hannah to have her back. Like, she stands strong all on her own. And I think Lindsay's just a very intimidating person. And in analyzing the issue with Kyle and Carl and Lindsay by proxy, I kind of feel like Because the issue is that Kyle feels like Carl's kind of just jerking around, and he doesn't really know what Carl does for Loverboy, right? A few years ago, they decided to found the Loverboy hard tea seltzers, and Carl came along for the ride. It was ultimately Kyle's vision. Amanda, his girlfriend, also came along for the ride, and now... Kyle feels like this is his baby and Carl isn't really bringing it the way that he should be bringing it. And he feels like he's given Carl so many chances and Carl has screwed up so many chances. And he wants Carl to really step up because at the end of the day, this is his baby and this is his business. Carl, on the other hand, feels like he's being underappreciated. And that's why he's not putting in as hard of an effort is because he doesn't think Kyle understands what he actually does for the company and how much he does thinks he's giving of himself to the company. And Kyle's like, well, all the other guys at the company seem to feel like they don't even know what you actually do. And here you want more money. And here you want more, you know, accolades and attention. And you want a bigger pat on the back. This has to be coming from Lindsay. And so Kyle immediately goes to blaming Lindsay, saying Lindsay has to be pumping him up and giving him a bigger ego and saying that he deserves more and should have more. Oy vey. Um, What I think it is, is maybe Kyle doesn't or didn't appreciate Carl, right? Like maybe there were some things that fell. And this is why it's good to address things up front and not sweep it under the rug because eventually a mountain will become, or a hill will, a hill will become a mountain. What is it? A mill will become a, mul, don't let a mole hole become a mountain. That thing, right? The mole hills and the mountains. So, the more you, not, you don't address things, the bigger it gets and the more it builds, right? And so I think that there were maybe some opportunities where Carl should have talked to Kyle because I just also don't think Kyle has enough of that self-awareness. Like, I think Kyle's very focused on Kyle, and so I don't think he necessarily was fully aware of how Carl may have been feeling, and maybe there was a little bit of neglect. And I think the more Carl started to feel unappreciated at Loverboy... And the more and now that he has Lindsay in his life, Lindsay is making him feel important. Lindsay is making him feel like a man. Lindsay is making him feel appreciated. And listen, Ky- it's Kyle's company. It's not Carl's company. So Carl isn't going to have the same blood and passion for the company, even though he started with them. And, you know, I just think they have very different expectations and and have very different goals. And I think Carl's in a very real place where he's like, what does my life look like? Where am I going from here? I think that he should be a little more grateful to Kyle because Kyle did bring him into this project. But to be fair, Carl jumped in, you know, all in. But now their lives have changed. And I think now that he is in a position in his personal life where he has a strong bond with somebody and this person does appreciate him and she does build him up. And then he has a work environment where you know maybe he doesn't feel as appreciated i understand why there is this disconnect and kyle who doesn't over who doesn't micromanage carl doesn't really understand what carl is doing and what's going on in carl's life so i think it's mul- it's ultimately a miscommunication that probably should have been talked through a lot sooner to have resolved it but i think carl's just in the place where he's ready to move on from loverboy and he's not ready to fully jump and i think he's ready to jump and I think Kyle's ready for him to jump. And ultimately I think we know how it plays out, right? Like, doesn't he actually leave Loverboy, which was the smart decision. But it's very clear that the group does not like Lindsay. Maya's issue with Lindsay, another thing where I kind of see both sides, right? Because I understand where Maya's like, well, Carl was my friend. I just wanted to smoke with him. But putting yourself in Lindsay's position, it's kind of like, well, yeah, but that is a little disrespectful. Um It does feel a little weird that you're trying to hit up my boyfriend to hang out with him and smoke weed with him. And I'm sure in Maya's head, it was very innocuous, right? It didn't mean anything. She wasn't trying to bang Carl. She wasn't trying to, you know, break him off his sobriety or whatever. But... You have to understand, and what I think the group is failing to understand when it comes to Lindsay and Carl, is that the dynamic of a person changes when they're in a serious relationship. They change because now it's not all about them. If you're the fun party boy and all of a sudden you're in a relationship now, you can't always stay the fun party boy because you're not always going to have an Amanda that's going to let you you know, continue to be Peter Pan forever. So I feel like they're failing to acknowledge that Carl is now in a serious relationship. He's happy in his serious relationship, but he has changed a little bit. And maybe it isn't the most appropriate to go smoking with Maya without talking to Lindsay about it or without, you know, I understand Lindsay kind of feeling like, hey, girl, like this felt like a little bit of a of a violation of my boundary. Or, you know, maybe you kind of just overstepped a line in my relationship. And that's where Maya could have been like, listen, that wasn't my intention. And I'm sorry, that wasn't what I meant. And then Lindsay could have been like, okay, I get it. And I just, you know, here's how I'm feeling. Like if they just, again, had a little clear communication, had a conversation, I do think Lindsay has the ability to come off condescending. But in this beach conversation... I actually feel like Maya was the one that was a little more aggressive and condescending towards Lindsay when normally I can see it be the other way around. So maybe in the car ride, Lindsay was being a bit of a bitch and Maya didn't appreciate that, rightfully so. Um, but it's just about how you talk to people and, and the message that you're trying to get across and making sure that that communication is clear. And then I think it's all solid, right? It's all peaches and cream. Oh, yeah, yay, mama mia. Okay, those are my recaps of Jersey and Summer House. Let me know if you like these recaps, if you want more recaps, because I'll deep dive, I'll analyze. I don't always love doing recaps, because sometimes you have a lackluster or boring episode, so I'll never promise like a full one-hour recap. Um, But like I will share thoughts and feelings. I will pick apart some of the biggest chunks of the episode and share some of my thoughts if you like these recaps. Let me know and stay tuned. There are lots of things in store with no with hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. So stay, stay tuned. Get ready. There's an announcement coming next Wednesday, March 1st. So get ready. And if you want more Jersey recaps, we're going to be breaking them down every Wednesday morning on the YouTube channel at or youtube.com slash just plain Zach. Or you can just Google Zach Peter on YouTube or search Zach Peter on YouTube um, and you'll find it and you'll find me. Okay. If you want to give me a follow personally, you can always give me a follow at Just Plain Zach to keep up with me and the crazy things in my life and my crazy, funny opinions and all the things. But if you don't give a shit about me and you just want to stay focused on the No Filter tea, the latest reality TV tea, then you can give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Also, this Friday, I'm going to be at the Women of the Heart event. It's featuring Leanne Rimes. So if you want to meet Leanne Rimes, there's still a chance to grab tickets. Uh, go to womenoftheheart.org. I've also posted on my Instagram story, so you can check that out. It's Women of the Heart. It is in West Hollywood, London Hotel. Leanne Rhymes will be there, along with a bunch of other incredible speakers. So come imbibe, Have, you know, Lee feeling empowered and ready to tackle the year with, you know, other like-minded women and me. All right. I love you guys. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.